Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, you know, it sucks that injuries have been a story for both the Eskimos and now the Oilers in their seasons. We'll see how it goes for the Oilers as they roll along. I can tell you this, Leon Dreisaitl and Drake Kajula both traveled to Chicago today, not likely to play tomorrow. They remain on injured reserve, but uh, Todd McCollin says looks like they'll play uh, one or both Philadelphia on Saturday, one or both Pittsburgh on Tuesday. From an Eskimos perspective, they are generally getting healthier, which is good. Rookie Canadian defensive back Arjun Colhoun is back. Vidal Hazelton back at receiver. It looks like Duke Williams is going to come out of the lineup to make way for him. Daquan Bowers back on the defensive line. However, on the O-line, Joel Figueroa, who played a lot of that game on uh, Saturday against Toronto on one leg. He's out of action. Left to right, looks like the O-line will be Kelly, Beard, Sorensen, O'Donnell, and Batiste, the Anthony Batiste, the veteran who uh, I think he's just played one game this season. He's going to pop into action. So that's how the Eskimos are looking up front. But uh, certainly a lot healthier. And guys who had been injured, uh, Konar Jones, guys like that making a big impact in the win over Toronto. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Leafs scored four goals on five shots in the first period. They were up 4-1 on Detroit. It's now 4-3 with eight minutes left in the second period. After one, St. Louis leads Chicago. One nothing. Actually, the second period just started there. Canadians and Kings will face off at 8.30. Baseball, Cubs and Dodgers just underway. Cubs have to win to avoid a sweep. The Yankees beat Houston 5-0. They're up 3-2 in the American League Championship Series. And things just getting underway at Rogers Place with the Edmonton Oil Kings home to a very good Victoria Royals squad. They are 8-1-1 on the season. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kevin Carius from Global Television has popped into studio. Hey, Kevin, what's hey, going on? Hey, goodness gracious, it's good to be here. Yeah, good to talk to you as well. We have a lot to get to tonight. I have a couple surprises for you. Oh, really? Not quizzes. Hmm. Well, I may make up a quiz out of it. Really? Who knows? Did you ever meet Gord Downey? Never met him. Never nope. interview him or anything? No, never met him. Uh, obviously, big fan, but never met him. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of people talking about him today. Sports World as well. Greib and, and Lucic Gates mm-hmm. gave some comments. The Oilers were playing some uh, some hip uh, before their meeting today. It was talking about with... The, I, you were on air. I'll just quickly paraphrase the Rob Brown story. So as right. you probably know, Rob Brown unfortunately lost uh, his sister several years ago when he was in the NHL. And uh, Rob was doing a fundraiser uh, for her her charity after she passed. And he was, uh, you know, as he went around the league, he would, you know, ask guys on other teams or players, you know, he said, hey, can you donate something? Right. I'm going to have an auction. So Rob said one day he's at, at home back in, uh, in St. Albert and the doorbell rings and it's a UPS delivery from the Tragically Hip with all their CDs and a, a hockey jersey. 
to auction off. So he'd never met the hip, never contacted them, and they got word of you know Rob trying to do something for his late sister's charity, and and they sent something for him for the auction. Pretty incredible. So. Kind of a microcosm of everything uh, when you hear all the stories with Gord Downey, don't don't you think? Yeah, you know, that's yeah. a true Canadian thing. Like just helping, <laughs> just helping, and then well, they represented so many things yeah. about our culture and and they and they're interesting because um, they never really were huge in any other. Like I know they well, have fans what, in other countries, but, but, but that's what made them so yeah. great in Canada because you know. It was almost like we had our own little secret here. Right. <laughs> That's you know? a good way to put it. And I mean, it's it's befuddling why they weren't more popular elsewhere. But I, had, you know, you, you hear a lot of stories today. One of the stories I heard every time they went and played, maybe in the s- northern part of the states, call it Detroit, uh, wherever yeah, else, Detroit, yeah. Buffalo. All the fans came from Canada to see them, so the Americans couldn't buy the tickets. Right. So that's how <laughs> popular they were with. You know the Canadian, the Canadian music fan. So, yeah, um, Gord Downey obviously passing today. If, if for some reason you haven't heard uh, the news, any of that final, I, I, and I'll be honest here, I, I was not like uh, a huge Tragically Hip fan, but, but I mean the songs are out there so mm-hmm. much. And Stoffer mentioned it today, and I think this was even going on. Uh, when I was going to the U of A in the early 90s, like they would play Dinwoodies, the oh. Bowers there, which is not a huge state. Like they were already getting pretty popular, but it's not like they were coming to Edmonton and playing, you know, Rexall or, or whatever. You know, they were playing basically a university club. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here too, because uh, we were watching all the coverage today. And, you know, uh, Graham Neal, a good, uh, um, you know, a colleague in Edmonton for mm-hmm. a lot of years. I've known Graham for a lot of years. He found an old. Uh, interview that he had and he said uh, you know because they were playing at the bigger venues and and Gord Downey said I'm going to kind of paraphrase and we'll we'll play in an elephant's ass (laughs) and if that's okay with everyone And, and then he said and we'll be on time (laughs) <laughs> so it was, and I might be off a little bit, but but I think you know that just tells you that these guys would, you know, they, they would lay it down wherever you wanted to hear it. Yeah, well, and those, those are the great stories too. The 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 biggest stars who aren't stars or don't treat, they don't act like stars. Right? Yeah, they got to go out there and, and do their job. That's their job, right? It's a lot more people pay attention to it than, than most of our jobs, but mm-hmm. the, the, that, that's how they did it. So yeah, I mean, it's I know it's a sad day, especially and I, again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend right. I, I had the connection. That a, that a lot of people do, but you get a lot of great stories like that. Uh, that as well. It is seven eleven. Hey, your Yankees are moving on, eh? Or no, sorry, they're close they're to up moving on. Three two, close Would, to moving on. Could you imagine? It looked Yan- like they were out of it. Well, it did. Yeah. Could you imagine a Yankee Dodgers World Series here? That'd be uh, like 77, 78, and eighty one. Yeah, <laughs> Yankees won in seventy seven, seventy eight, and I believe the Dodgers somehow, as I used to call it with a buddy of mine. Uh, because at that time, well, a little later, Tommy Lasorda started doing Slim Fast commercials. That's right. So I started calling him Team Slim Fast because, oh, you know, Mike Sosha was a little portly back then and they had a couple other chubbier guys. So I called him Team Slim Fast. So maybe it would be great to see a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. So, I mean, the Yankees... Still uh, a long ways to go. What was the go. last he, time the Yankees won? It wasn't that long ago. Was it 2012? Uh, yeah. No, Jeter won. Let's see here. Now you're putting me on the spot because they, yeah, there was a stretch where they they were just so dominating, you know. In, well, they uh, won 96, 98, 99, 2000, 2000. Lost in the bottom of the seventh in 01. Lost to the Marlins in 03. Okay, well. Then the, didn't they beat the Phillies in 09? I this don't is know. The, this this is the they, they were so good I stopped cheering for them. Th- this is the sad <laughs> thing, uh, and the, those of you who are like in your twenties listening to us. 
you actually, as you get older, you have a poorer memory when it comes to recent events. Like, I know the Yankees won in the last yeah. few years. but I know they won in 77 and 78. Yeah, Kevin remembers yeah. those well, because you can list the all 25 guys on yeah, the, the rosters for those, lineups. For, uh, for those teams. Uh, Dodgers are looking good, though, eh? They are. Finish off yeah. the Cubs But tonight. don't, you know what, Houston still, I mean, I don't count those guys out yet. Um, yeah, the Yankees won in 09 okay. was their last victory. Yeah, and they actually have not been in the World Series since then. Well, in Houston, I mean, they're an interesting. And actually, a couple of years ago, Kevin, and I did this interview. They were like horrifically bad, kind of like the Oilers were, and were getting top picks. And Sports Illustrated did that cover story three years ago. Your 2017 World Champions, which, like you said, is still possible. Mm-hmm. But the guy, I think, except for Springer, the guys they highlighted as the the core of a future championship team didn't pan out where they got rid of. Like Keiko wasn't on that no. on that list. And I mean, they traded a lot away, a lot of their young guys away to try to get better quicker instead of building uh, the proper way, like teams like Cleveland did. And I mean, the Dodgers are finally starting to do that because the Dodgers forever would just give away their young guys and right. pick up uh, you know whomever at the deadline or in the off season and take on a massive contract, just like the Yankees did. And then the Yankees got away from that because you just can't sustain building a baseball team that way. Who's the most exciting player for you to watch on the Yankees? I mean, maybe a stupid question with Judge, but they got some other guys coming up big. Well, you know what they do. I, to be honest with you, if Sanchez could ever continue on improving his defensive play behind the plate, mm-hmm. he's going to be one of the best catchers, hitting catchers, if he can continue what he's laying down numbers-wise. If he can get better defensively, and, and that's something you can work on. I don't think you can go out and teach 35 home runs a year for a catcher. Sure. But you can teach how to play defense, how to block balls, how to handle a pitching staff. If he can continue on his progression, uh, I, this, this guy has unlimited potential. You think Judge was grown in a lab? <laughs> that's, a, that's a big man. <laughs> Holy. You know, there was even a, when the Yankees played uh, the Jays this year, and uh, a judge, I think he either walked or, or he just hit a hit a single, and so he's on first base, and he's standing beside Justin Smoke for the Jays, yeah. and Smoke is massive, yeah. like Smoke's a big dude, and he looked like it was just like you know, Tom and Jerry standing beside each other. It was just unreal. Kevin Carius in studio at seven fifteen. We have the Oilers and the Blackhawks coming up tomorrow night on six thirty. Chad Furnace Family Oilers Hockey Furnace Family Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Expert. Call seven 7- Four family or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We're going to sign on at 5 for the face-off show. The game is going to start at 6.30 as the Oilers hit the road for three. And Todd McClellan given his uh, assessment of last night's outing. We went through some of the things that we did right in the game, which was, was a lot, in fact. Um, but then we had to address the negative part as well. And um, not giving up an overabundance last night of grade-A scoring chances. But the ones that were given up were, uh, were triple-A's, if you will. And uh, again, we have to try and eliminate those dramatic errors. Uh, you know, for example, on the first goal, the pinch and the, uh, the poor read and not having anybody cover um, is, uh, is an issue right now that uh, we have to get better at. So we addressed some of that. We, we talked about some of the penalties we're taking, uh, that they're a little unacceptable at this point, And it's causing us grief because our penalty kill isn't as strong as it needs to be. Yeah, start a game, eh? I mean, so they practice against, they practice last week, come out against Ottawa, start horribly, fall behind 2 nothing, get one shot in the first nine minutes, 
And then yesterday, so you're thinking, okay, it's not going to be that bad. Well, they they found a way to make it, it worse. Make it worse. Uh, two penalties against two goals. Uh, the the goal, twenty seconds in. I, I mean, I, I I credit to the other teams, but I but I've been saying this, especially that first period yesterday. I mean, get out of your own way, like just stay in the game. Like worst case scenario, be maybe be down a goal, not three. Play smarter yeah. in every facet of the game. That's their biggest, uh, uh, you know, negative right now going on. When you th- think about everything, play smarter. Too many dumb penalties. Too many places on the ice where you're not supposed to be. Bad penalty killing where you're like, you know, everyone's talking about the one where you know, so Clef bombs in front of the net by himself. But seven seconds earlier than that, Larson's out on the right point. Like just unheard of. Like they they've never made plays like this. You know the the Lucic pass to Clefbaum. You know he's having a bad day as it's going a bad game as it's going already, and then that happens. So just play smarter. That because and and just play. Go out and play and have fun. Don't worry about so many things because right now I think they're just overthinking a lot of things, and they're um, they're just trying too hard. Go out and have some fun. I mean, it's probably the best thing. Again, everyone says to get on the road, but I think playing a team like Chicago, I, I, I fully expect the Oilers to win tomorrow night. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I do. energy from Kevin Carroll. There you go. Well, I, I mean, but I didn't expect them to win last night either, though. You thought Carolina was going to yes. pound them? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just, For a number of reasons still. Yeah. I, mean, I, I compared, I said this earlier, I compared... And I, I don't want to make it sound like Clefbaum lost the game, but th- that was a big play early. I mean, that was like a football team throwing a Hail Mary on the first play of the game because, oh, my God, what if we don't score a touchdown? Like, you know, you got you got 60 minutes to win the game. Like, just, you know, like engage in it. You got you got to be in the game, but, you know, you don't have to make high-risk plays with it scoreless in the first <laughs> minute. And But you're right, they're, they're, they're doing out it. We've, we've seen them play better. Mm-hmm. Right, it's this isn't the team that well they finished last last year and they look the same. I mean, we've seen them play better. Well, I mean, I, I as I said last week, I think the team is still the, the psyche of the team was hurt in Vancouver when Talbot was pulled right away like that. And I talked about it last week. Remember? Yeah, Simpson didn't like it either. Yeah, um, I said the, the psyche of a team at that point and and then the problem was then so now you have the you have the next game in two days so you didn't really have any practice time to get things ironed out because they would have got home late and now you have four days off after the Winnipeg game so I just don't think that they had that that if the games would have been condensed maybe a little bit better in there maybe they could have shaken this off well Todd was asked that today too yeah. I don't know if you saw that but no but he he was asked is would have it been better to just have a game every second day so you can work it out in the game. And Todd said, well, fair enough, because you work on yeah. so much in practice, but you're not getting to execute it in a game. I, I just look more of the psyche, and then, we're, like, I know we've got to go to break here, but I, I want to, maybe we'll address Yeah, another, okay, let's break that. Another, and we'll another, get you when we come back. Sure. And we yeah. got I got surprises for you, too. Oh, it's okay. going to be great. 719, carry us in studio on Inside Sports. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. tuning in tonight it's inside sports on oilers and eskimos radio 630 ched you've heard from wally buono you've heard from rob brown kevin carius is in studio you get him on global television he joins us every uh non game day wednesday does that make sense non game day wednesday. every time of the year there's not an oilers game on a wednesday you drop in because when you got a when we got an oilers game 
We got the Oilers game. That's right. Darcy says, Reed, I saw the hip to their first visit at Dinwoody. They were like any garage band back then. Later had a backstage pass and they played the convention center. It was an unruly crowd and plastic beer containers were being hurled towards the stage. Gordon Downey declared they would never play this city again. Quite ironic, <laughs> reflecting on it all today. That is from Darcy. Well, he was upset. It's just like, you know, when your teacher turns the lights off and on and says you're never going to have gym class again. Never happened to me. <laughs> okay. We had, no, you we had no power. You were well those, behaved in those one-room schools. Flatsville, no Saskatchewan, or whatever it was called. Yeah. <laughs> Crooked Lake. Yeah. <laughs> nice town. Uh, Cubs and Dodgers underway, top of the second inning. Uh, no score. Okay. So uh, we got the Oilers and the Hawks coming up tomorrow night. I got some surprises for you, Kevin. Hey. I was mentioning the Eskimos getting uh, a little bit healthier. Uh, let's touch on them. I mean, to me, A, they executed at the end of the game, but Gable Gable is making a difference. He's definitely making a difference. It adds a dimension. We talked about it last week. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And when you have, it's almost like John White again, right? You know, remember yep. when John White was really humming along and was knock off six, seven yards of carry on first down. Now you've got second and short. Everything manageable opens up the playbook entirely. And that's been one of the keys of uh, of moving the ball. We we kind of addressed uh, Jack Haskins was down there today and about the fact that Jason Moss is resting a lot of guys in and out like mm-hmm. John Chick, Odell Willis, to keep them fresh uh, for this next, uh, you know, what they hope to be, a, you know, a good month here yet. So I think that could be a critical aspect as well. I mean, uh, as, as Jack reported, like John Chick had probably his best game as an Eskimo mm-hmm. by far, maybe his best game in the CFL for a number of years. Uh, now if Odell Willis can pick up where Chick left off as far as uh, his play and elevating that, I mean, it's only good for the club down the stretch. And now they don't have any condensed weeks, right? So maybe mm-hmm. more of a, a regular type schedule. They're in BC on Saturday. I, I, I want, I'm going to play you some Wally Bono clips okay. too when we get back because he he's, he's always so interesting to talk to. Kevin Carius in studio, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chat. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight at 734. Here's what's going on in the NHL. 5-3 Toronto over Detroit. That is after two. St. Louis on home ice with a 3-0 lead on Chicago late in the second period. Canadians and Kings still to come. At Rogers Place, Victoria leading the Oil Kings 1-0 late in the first period. Victoria very good, 8-1-1 on the season. The Oil Kings are 4-6-1. Baseball playoffs, 1-0 for the Cubs over the Dodgers in the bottom of the second as the Cubs go for the sweep, and earlier the Yankees shut out Houston 5 nothing to go up 3-2 in the best of seven, so they're off tomorrow, and then back in Houston on, uh, what day it is? Uh, it'll be Friday, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Tanaka was great in that game. Yeah, Man, he, was. he was. throwing pitch, pitch, smoke, and pitch really. everything was going down in the zone, and boy, he was good. All right. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. Remember that some guests on Inside Sports receive gift certificates to Northern Chicken, satisfying modern soul food, Southern-style chicken, and a hockey game. Place your order now at Skip the Dishes. Great to have Northern Chicken on board, 107th Ave and 124th Street. So Kevin Carius is in studio from Global Television. How about this, buddy? 
will hit to left field. To the wall, Deion Sanders. Home run, Ed Sprague. Off the bench with a pinch hit two-run homer off Jeff Reardon to give the Toronto Blue Jays a 5-4 to four lead. 25 years ago today. And you know what? I was in Saskatoon that night, I think. Or it might have been one of these nights. Uh, and that even Saskatoon went bananas. The streets just absolutely, everyone poured out in the streets. Uh, crazy. That was, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's Ed Sprague, top of the ninth at Atlanta, game two of the 1992 World Series. The Blue Jays in the World Series for the first time had lost game one. They were on the verge of going down two games to nothing. nothing. I think Derek Bell was on base. Uh, Ed Sprague comes off the bench, nails that home run. They win 5-4. They go on to win the series in six. And it was an interesting time because I, I remember those, you know, those the playoffs weren't as long then. Mm-hmm. You played a seven-game championship series. Well, there's no wild card. There's no wild card. There were only two rounds. Uh, and I remember the NHL... This is, it was on the back burner. Mm-hmm. I mean, the season started, and everybody, if the Blue Jays played a Saturday night playoff game, you weren't watching, at least I wasn't. I wasn't watching Hockey Night in Canada. I was I was watching the Blue Jays. It was a pretty neat time, and that was uh, a hugely dramatic moment that's uh, sent them. I mean, down, and they, like Jeff Reardon, who I loved as an expo, and then you hated him as a Brave, yeah. and he was almost lights out as a closer, so no one saw that coming. And again, that you think about things that uh, you know with Gord Downey passing away, about how the whole country was is behind and loves something. That's a perfect example of it. Back then, as you said, hockey was on the back burner. I mean, for the first time. I mean, uh, that's uh, uh, Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough. Does Monday night football. Does yep. Monday night football. And again, so what? Three, four games later. Uh, his line is, uh, and for the first time, the the World Series pennant will fly north of the border, right? So that's, you know, so it's kind of, you know, just on the on Gord Downey's passing that you have something 25 years ago and that the Jays were just, a, you know, they were a big part of Canadiana at the time too because, you know, they they kind of brought our country together at that time too. So the the, the uh, Jays won in Game 6 in extra innings in Atlanta. I, now, I didn't look this up, but here's my random quiz for Carius. The winning out, who bunted, who fielded it, and threw it to who? Uh, Mike Timlin. Yeah, fielded it. Fielded it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Mike Timlin was on, and Joe Carter was at first base. Yeah, do you remember who bunted for the Braves? Um Otis Nixon. Otis Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe Carter. Three for three. Yeah, and Joe Carter, who was usually an outfielder. Well, and that's the other thing too, because you look at the Jays would have used their bullpen up, right? Yep. And they would have probably be, and being in a in a National League ballpark, so there would have had to been several double swaps at that point. But I didn't Carter play a couple games at first in that World Series. I'd have to go back. He may and have, yeah. But even at, at that point, and was that eleventh inning or? 10? I think it was eleventh okay. inning. Yeah. So you're looking at uh, you know Timlin. Uh, he would have been a pretty young reliever at that point, so they would have went through their bullpen and pitched the tenth and the ninth with, you know, the big guns, Dwayne Ward. Ward, yeah. I think Hanky was gone, and, wasn't he? Or uh, hurt? It's hard to. I can't remember I think, now. But I think Ward Hanky might have been gone already. They, so they would have went uh, hard with with those guys to start things off. But man. 25 years ago. That was ago. crazy. Yeah. Dave Campbell, my producer, said, hey, I threw some audio in the folder. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Ed Sprague, Homer. And I was like, why would you? He's like, 20. I was like, oh, my gosh. 25 years. Oh, super Dave comes Jeez. through. That's amazing. 7804960063. We have Jim on the line. Hello, Jim. 
Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, let's talk orders for a second. You know, what troubles me is when you look on paper, <clears throat> with the exception of Sperl and, and Yamamoto, this is the same team we watched last year in the cup. And I just go look at this, and it's not about skill. It's not about skill. You see efforts. You know, are they with Jim, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold because the you're cutting in and out there. Kellen, check check that connection. But I, I think he said, with the exception of Strom and Yamamoto, the uh, team is basically the team is back. I mean, you got uh, Jokinen as as a new guy. Um, I couldn't really hear. It. Yeah, sorry, he Jim, you were cutting out a little bit. I, I think your point is it, it, a lot of the team is back, but they're not playing the same as they did last year. Yeah, he's. We off. don't have Jim. I'm. I'm really sorry. We couldn't hear him there. Well, but he I, can I, call back if he yeah. Knows. We can try or if he's got a landline. But, but I think that that's. I, that's why I think some of it is mental. They're maybe pressing a little bit too much. And here's the thing, we know we, we there are a lot of individual players on that team that we know are capable of playing better, because we've seen them do every it. one of them. We've seen almost, almost you know. every one of them. There isn't. If you're giving grades out right now, let's just. If you're giving grades after five games. There isn't one player that's getting an A. Is that uh, fair enough? Well, who, who, no, I wouldn't give anybody there, there an A. There isn't anyone that's getting an A. No. And I mean, the closest, you could maybe talk about Nugent Hopkins. You can talk about, having said that, his play has fallen off the last game or so, too. Um, I, I There's no one that gets an A. So not even anyone close. No, and there'd be a lot of Ds, probably. Yep. And, and a lot of a lot of incompletes. And Well, sure. I mean, it's hard to... But it, and see, if yeah, you're going to do grades after example, five sure, after gonna, five games, let's yeah. be honest. That's how that's how poorly everyone is playing, and that's just the way it is. And that they have to fix it and play smarter, as I said a little earlier, and and turn around. And 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 I mean, the capabilities and the abilities are there. They just have to go out and do it. Yeah. Well, th- there's too many self-inflicted wounds. There's too many. There's too many bad penalties, and then the penalty killing is no good. And then the goalie's not giving you a clutch save at the right time. I, I said this to Jalen and Andrew earlier. There were two breakaways in the third period. If you just look at mm-hmm. one-on-one showdowns, Oilers lost them both, yeah. and then they lost by two goals. Maroon scores, it's tied. It's tied 4-4. Then how does Carolina, I mean, talk about confidence and being yeah. around, how does, how does Carolina feel? Absolutely. You get a shorthanded goal to go up 4-1, and then six minutes later, you're still in a tie game. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ward makes that save, and then Slate has an incredible game. Because after, and Ward's third goal was bad. It's a bad goal on Lucic. Yeah. So he rebounded, and he came up with the save. Yeah, Chicago tomorrow. Uh, I mean, look, it, it it changes the complexion of the season a little bit because it's. I mean, it's hard to scratch out points, and I, I don't think the season is over. I don't think they're going to finish last. But now you look at it where it's like, okay, this could be a bit of a process to get back to 500 and then to crawl back into a playoff spot and, and try to limit damage for, for for future losing streaks. I mean, it's going to be has the potential to be a bit more of an uphill, exhausting type season. Well, it does, only because you've done that to yourself. First rule of getting out of a hole, stop digging. And I mean, like, when you look at the schedule after five games, I'll bet you 90% of Oilers fans... Well, would add three wins easy. Easy. Not four. Yeah. Maybe four or maybe or seven five. Seven points, maybe, yeah. Well, out of ten points, at least eight. At least eight, especially after winning the first game like that. Well, and that's the mind-boggling thing is... They played as as well as they've played in years. You know, in that, I, I in that don't buy that game. at all. I, I I heard Bob talking about that. 
that this was their most complete game since the 2006 final against Carolina yeah, in Game there. Six. Yeah, after that game, uh, Peter Laviolette said it was one of the worst games they ever played. After the Calgary game, Glenn Gulledson said it was one of the worst games we ever played. So, I mean, let's look at that. Yeah, but you're always talking about it from the perspective of the the team in your market, right? So, yeah, I would maybe that's the best game Carolina's going to play all season. We don't know. That <laughs> doesn't diminish how the Oilers played. Well, I just I don't I don't see that like it was like everyone that game against Calgary was in question until five uh, what eight minutes left in the game. You never got the sense Calgary was going to apply much pressure. Doesn't matter. The game was in question. It was one nothing until McDavid scored the second goal with what ten minutes left. All right. So it's one nothing game. All right, but it was your goaltender stood four, on his head. But it was four. We're talking about how bad the Oilers played yesterday, which they did. It was it was four three with ten minutes left, almost four mm-hmm. four. Right? Yeah. And well, actually, I don't, I, though Bill Peters was disgusted ha, after the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, I don't think the Oilers were, besides the, the, the glaring errors, weren't that bad. Yeah, they had a half dozen glaring errors. Maybe not a half dozen, but they had four or five. Yeah. Well, there was more There was more positive out of that game than the Ottawa yeah. game, and probably even the Winnipeg game. So you hope maybe they were starting to relax a little bit, and, and obviously, I mean, they got tons of pucks in it, around the net, mm-hmm. which was a, a positive for sure. Uh, 7.45. Uh, do you see the uh, Gordon Hayward injury? Uh, every time I've went to uh, watch it, they won't show it anymore. I saw it this afternoon. Okay, so here's... My, I was doing the, the face-off show yesterday, yeah. and then my buddy texted me a screen grab <laughs> of the foot turned sideways and the bone yeah. kind of poking through the sock. And then I thought, oh, God, like, this is... That's tough to watch. So I finally watched it this afternoon, like just the wide shot at full mm-hmm. speed, and it's hard to see at full speed. I mean, you see him fall awkwardly, but the camera's far away, and he's kind of behind the guy, so you don't see. Uh, here's the thing. It, it's horrible, but I've seen worse in terms of actual clarity of like the thi- shot that on Theismann, TV. you mean? Well, th- what about that, uh, Kev, was it Kevin Ware for Louisville basketball a few years ago? I, I mean, I, I was that. watching that game. Yeah. He jumps to, to block a shot, lands on the sideline, and you see his leg just snap mm-hmm. and then dangling there when he's lying on the ground. Theismann's pretty bad. Theismann is pretty bad. Uh, uh, Matt Henry, Vanier Cup, remember that one? No. Nope. This is a little, the lesser known one. I <laughs> tweeted somebody today. So Matt Henry, I think it was the 07 Vanier, maybe it was 06. Um, he's playing for Manitoba, I think against Laval. Okay. He gets a helmet. He's running with the ball. Gets a helmet up high thigh, just below the hip. And then he kind of pinwheels. And his leg breaks to such an effect that his foot, like, uh, caroms or, like, like catapults around and hits him in the side of the head. And it, it, it happens so fast. At full speed, you can't tell anything. And then the YouTube video, they slow it down. I mean, it almost looks like it's a cartoon. It almost looks like a cartoon. Is there? Are you going somewhere else with this? Is there no, we're just talking oh, about gross injuries. Oh, here That's I thought I, I thought about. like this was like an early Halloween special for you or something. Well, we could do that at Halloween too. <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about gross injuries. Sure. Oh, yeah, no, there's no doubt that you covered rodeos and stuff, right? Yeah, there's been some bad some ones in that. And I, I always the uh, sometimes a horse goes down because they'll have a heart attack mm-hmm. or break a leg. And the announcer, the truck wagon races too. The announcer always says, "Because so if you've never been to one of these, so they'll they'll have the emergency crew come out, and they always have this big blue tarp that they put in front of the horse. Yeah. And I always call it the magic blue tarp. Oh, they're giving that horse the best possible. <laughs> they're they're euthanizing him in front well, of everybody. They just don't want you to see but it. But they don't put that blue tarp in front of the cowboy. 
Yeah, no, they that? don't. Well, yeah, and luckily, I've never seen. Do you ever see the one in chuck wagons? I believe it's Kirk Sutherland. I, oh, there's so many Sutherlands that are running. Yeah. Anyway, he gets thrown from the wagon, and he's he's underneath the wagon while she's heading down the track, and he's hanging on to the that's, axle well, I mean, with his arms. Bud McEwen was from Lloyd, and that's how he died at the stampede, right? Mm-hmm. He flipped under his wagon and the, the wheel went over his head. This turned really morbid. No, I mean, well, it's kind of like started with a broken you, leg. You started it. Maybe Bruce can save us here. Hey, Bruce. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Good. Okay, the one question for you is on the Eskimo game on Saturday night, uh, just before the second half, the Eskimos had the ball on the one-yard line. I think they were on their, not the one-yard, the third and one on their 29-yard line, I think it was. And they didn't go for it. There's about two and a half minutes left in that second quarter. When they gave the ball up, they punted it away, they gave the ball up, and Toronto got points. Eight points, I think, they got. I don't know why they didn't go for it, because they have a new running back that's averaging five to six yards a carry, and I think the confidence would give that to the offense. Yeah, I, Bruce. I was at the. I was obviously at the yeah. Oilers game Saturday too. I don't remember that play specifically, but I, I would think that would probably just come down to field position, if they were yeah, inside they, their own thirty. Uh, their punter only kicked it not even 30, 40 yards and gave it back to Toronto right away. Who scored eight points? Well, he's. I, I. I mean, I can't speak for Jason Moss, and I understand what you're saying because you should be able to sneak it if it's a yard or less. Um, but he's probably thinking, punt it away, stop them, let the half run out, and, and we get out of here. I mean, I was yeah. more worried about the P.I. that Johnny Adams took on the last play of the first half that almost gave yeah. Toronto three free, free, right. three free points. Now, getting back to your injuries, I think the most the worst injury I've seen in sports <laughs> was when Clinton Larson got slapped. Oh. That was horrible. Yeah. That was probably my worst injury that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Well, a bad one. But. Bad one. Thanks, Bruce. Right. Appreciate it. That's Bruce, 7804960063. All right, here's what we're going to do. Kevin, thanks for coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you home. We're going to uh, take a quick break, and we'll have a special Gord Downey tribute. All right. The relationship I think about and talk about and, and think about the most is my relationship to these guys. You know, I just feel like we're heading in the right direction, and uh, lo and behold, it's really our relationship that I'm talking about. And from that, good things can happen. I'm always writing every day. When I found something that spoke, it, I knew it. And that didn't wasn't something I necessarily labored over. You know, songs are only half finished when they're recorded. Tell me what the poets you have to perform them to finish them. I feel like that's what's going on every night, that you're still trying to finish this song. Just giving everything all out is actually the easiest thing to do. The lyrics get me there, and the music the band provides gets me there. I couldn't really do anything about it. Uh, there's a lot of emotions, you know, anger, fear. So the idea of kind of going out and challenging yourself and either playing to people that have never seen you before or doing things in front of the people that have seen you before that they've never seen before. Watch the band. Anything I had done up to that point um, didn't seem applicable somehow, and that I hadn't been reaching that. You make so many mistakes. You know, mortality's not even really relevant. And as cold and calculated as those decisions seem, they're actually, I think, a bit of an oasis of comfort, because at least you're moving towards something now. Because it cleared my mind, it focused my attention, it focused everything. But I do know that I'm planning on, you know, having a beginning and a middle and an end. I'm not going to conserve, I'm not going to leave anything on the table, I'm just going to use it all up and pack it with all the 
those feelings I have of love for my friends and my bandmates and people that supported us. And uh, I just really wanted it to be that, to be ample and grateful in every way. And um, I wanted it to show. Because you know that nothing will be the same anymore. And try and live a, a beautiful, great life um, with your family and reality. And that's very... Uh, Freeing. I gotta go. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. It's gonna be alright. That you know it's gonna be alright. That you know we're gonna that everything's gonna be alright. Thank you everybody. Thanks for listening to that. No matter what. Thank you very, very much. Have a nice life. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.